0: one minute of silence, and then explore whatever arises. So please join us for this one minute of doing nothing. What was your experience? It's kind of amazing how much it seems like can happen in that space. Mm-hmm. It was just the thought that came up at the very end of that time. Also, the timer was on my side this time and it felt really long to me. And mm-hmm. I opened my eyes at the end of it and there were seven seconds left of the timer Mm -hmm. And that's when I had that thought, because it was like, wow, there's quite a bit that can happen in that space. Mm -hmm. And this was a little bit different for me. And I wonder if this ever happens for you. Mm -hmm. I had a, a line that popped into my mind. And then I guess there's a variety of ways that you could interact with something like that, like notice it try to attempt to drop it in some way or come back to a physical sensation. Um, but I decided for whatever reason to just stay with it and repeat it and sit with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Almost like a, a koan sort of thing where you, you have some sort of thing to sit with and either feel or contemplate or whatever. And so there was a line that came up for me at a certain point in it. And I actually think it was now that I'm, I like doing this too, tracing s- tracing your experience back to the sort of origin point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think initially I was thinking about what we were talking about before we started recording mm-hmm. was Sakib and I were talking about writing a book. Uh, both of us are in the process of this at different stages. And Sakib, you mentioned this, like the thing I think that we're both developing is an ability to just be um, in so many different ways and in our work and maybe in our lives or the people that we work with individually attempting to help them also just be and be open to receive the answers that are available now in this moment if you can only get out of the way and stop thinking stop planning and you were talking about how that applies to writing your book and maybe feeling almost a little bit imbalanced on the side of just being and potentially neglecting the rational thinking mind and that there might be more of a sort of middle path of mm. thinking and just allowing. Mm. And so I think I was that was in my mind. And then I remembered something, this is kind of a long-winded explanation of my experience. I was reminded of a line that I read yesterday in this book that I'm reading that really stuck with me. And just, I'd found it interesting. I don't know necessarily what it means to me yet, but it said, love is knowing when to be patient and when to act. Hmm. Uh, and so that popped up. It felt very related to that notion of like maybe basically doing and being hmm. and that I just sat with that phrase love is knowing when to be patient and when to act, uh, which it seems to me is like a just a maybe a really core challenging thing for people at large uh, the knowing mm-hmm. of when to let go and when to act. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a lot of an explanation of what happened for me in that period of silence. What do you think about all of that? No, wonderful. I think. Uh what
1: comes to my mind is, uh, as you were speaking about this, the, uh, a quote by Einstein, and I'm, sh- I'm not sure if it is by Einstein or not. I, I think there is also a controversy around that, whether this quote was by Einstein or not. And I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something like, uh, you know, we have, we have, uh, like, the, the mind is like a faithful servant, and uh, the intuition is like is like a master, and however we have like as a society we have forgot forgotten that you know we have made the mind the master, uh, but it is like a servant and our intuition is like a master. So, then that brings me to the question uh, like this interaction. I think it be- it becomes more of an interaction between uh, the intuition and what you are talking about the state of being. And that state of mind, which is rationality, that, you know, it forms this question in my mind, okay, how can this interaction be between that? So so when, like, what we are doing in this session today, uh, what is now is more of being, but I'm sure, uh, you know, it, and, and I think a lot of it is coming out of intuition, but I'm sure that there are many aspects of our conversation that are also coming from the mind. So the question arises, and I would, I would love to know your perspective on that, that what do you think is a healthy balance or a healthy interaction between intuition and the mind?
0: Hmm. It seems to be a very kind of essential question. Hmm. Uh, And like, as we're interacting now, as you were saying, it feels to me like, we're going, it's just a wavelength that we're bouncing back and forth between just being like, what does that even mean? Does that mean that you're doing nothing? And then even when you're doing nothing, something is happening. Mm. And in that happening, am I doing, or am I being, but let's say we're both sort of entering a space of being. Mm. And then by me talking now, like I have sort of shifted into at least in a way that like thinking mind because i'm having to think to formulate thoughts and send them over to you but i'm still somehow in what feels to me like a pretty organic yeah. pure space where i don't feel so much like i'm i'm creating what's happening right now but i'm just yeah. sort of translating it to yeah. you and so yes. i guess in that way i'm i'm feeling like the thinking mind is the servant in a way They're like they're functioning, they're doing their job, Mm. but they're in the role of they're not the one in charge,
1: Mm. but
0: they're part of it uh, and they're needed in order Mm. to maybe in order to like communicate and do things and act in the world. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But they're sort of the vessel for this larger thing, which is the creator of whatever it is that I'm saying Mm. right now. And somehow I have access to both at mm. the same time. Mm. I don't know. what. Do you, how does that sound to you? Yeah. It, uh, I think this is what even I feel
1: like that in, in these conversations, it's the mind is just like becomes like a filter or something, you know, <laughs> that there is, there is a message. Uh, and I think we were talking about, we have talked about this previously that how uh, it is about the language that whatever we feel like saying in this moment, it is coming from a place of no language. Maybe no thought, Mm -hmm. but uh, then there is this filter, you know, the brain or, you know, the mind, however you want to see it, uh, which is putting words to it. What we, what we are feeling, you know, which is putting uh, language uh, and thought and rationality to it. And then it is coming out of our mouth. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it seems like like that kind of an interaction to me. But then also another question arises is, okay, if if this is what is uh, using our intuition or state of being and just being in the now and saying things, then what is rationality? What is something which is not this? What, what is that state in which we are not actually uh, speaking from our intuition? So I don't know what you think about this. What comes to my mind is maybe let's say, I would say that if there is an evaluation of what we want to say, you know, let's say, uh, okay, that there are these two thoughts in my mind. Uh, one is, okay, do I speak, do I speak about, you know, uh, topic A or do I speak about topic B? So when I'm kind of evaluating now, what I feel is I have made my b- mind the master, not my intuition. And then I'm kind of evaluating that and maybe I feel, okay, maybe topic B is more relevant to what our conversation. So let's speak about topic B. Sure. But if, if I'm not using, like, if I'm not, if my mind is not the master, then how it would be that if, if, if topic A is arising, I will not evaluate whether I should speak. I will just speak it out. Mm-hmm. You
0: know? mm-hmm. yes. What do you say? Uh, um, it's really interesting. So it feels like maybe where the logical mind or the thinking mind is coming in is there's like more space between that pure thing and the action itself. Mm -hmm. Like there's sort of the, you're in touch with whatever that pureness is. Mm -hmm. And there may be an action that's sort of immediately connected to that. It's like the filter Mm. and it comes out of it just straight away mm. or or you, there's like this separate machinery that's been created where before it comes out it it stops and it's redirected to this other sort of mechanism yeah where most, there's yeah. a couple of different steps involved like well i don't know about that let's put it through this algorithm first and mm. let's let's put all of our options on the table before we express this thought yeah. and there's like a slowdown process Mm. and i guess one thing about that that i'm thinking of is maybe there's a bit more protection involved like Mm. that sort of machinery has been established in order to protect me in some way from expressing it in a more pure fashion where it goes through these levels of self-conscious awareness and maybe those are connected to past experiences or things like that almost like you know remember when you did that thing you don't want to say it like that even though you might not I mean you're likely not processing all of that the mind is so powerful it's doing it very quickly but maybe it's related to well you don't want to say it like that because remember this thing that happened and that thing and this whole story of you and that's going to make him think and then by that point, you're so far removed from the essence of like yeah. the pureness that could be expressed if you just trusted it right away and let it come out. Um, yeah. I like that vision. I don't, like uh, I was, as you were speaking, I was, had this vision of colors of, so you said the filter. And so there's, there's like this stuff that, maybe as many different colors or it's a particular color and I'm a filter, you're a filter, everyone, the person listening to this is a filter. We're all filters in our different ways. And Mm. then it, it sort of goes through us and it could come out in a form that is still like almost the same, but very sort of pure form. Yeah. It could come out in this very different form or like a, a very dulled form or yeah. I mean, I was thinking of, for whatever reason, for me, it was this vivid sort of purple color. Mm-hmm. And then when it goes through all the filters of the thinking mind, it became this very kind of uh, like brownish mm. uh, dull yeah. color uh, yeah. or like like paper, essentially. It kind of like came out like printed paper or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: yeah. yeah how i can see that is like uh for me it is the the, the intuition is like the the rainbow having all the seven colors but when mm-hmm. it goes through the filter it is like just maybe one or two colors that are coming out rest are being <laughs> filtered
0: yeah i like that it's like it takes something that had access to the whole rainbow yeah and turned it into just one yeah 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 yeah
1: And I think we are doing that almost, as you correctly said, that it is so quick. And, you know, unconsciously, we are doing it almost all the time. uh, Because now I can sense that, okay, when let's, I feel like in this moment, I'm speaking from my soul, you know, from my intuition, that is just very pure. But there is some sort of filtering there, because, you know, I'm my unconscious mind or whatever that is, you know, it's is also telling me that you cannot speak something that is blasphemous and that is not okay for, for the audience here. <laughs> you know, that is always that filtering. So I believe we are in that somehow, you know, we are in that spectrum of what, what we can say and cannot say. Because yeah, yeah. if it is like just totally being open then there will be there will be a lot of things that will be coming out that you know uh yeah that might come out and and that might not be suitable for this conversation i can give
0: you an immediate example of that that Mm. just happened for me as i was describing my experience of Mm. colors Mm. uh because as soon as i talk, because in my mind i saw these the colors of this stuff this like pureness Mm. that's being expressed Mm. and then very quickly my thinking mind sort of comes in it's like make sure you don't talk about colors in any way that might offend someone like if you're you might Mm. be expressing some bias for a particular color and then talk about because you're sort of creating this evaluation in some way of the pure color being good and the thinking mind color being worse or dull like I said and and I used a color that was brown and who knows what that color might mean to someone like mm-hmm. the color of skin, for example, like yours yeah. could potentially be called something along those lines. Yeah. And then I quickly sort of uh, noticed that I'm like, well, it's, you know, it's like white paper, like, you know, something like that. Yeah. And I noticed that that's my kind of thinking mind coming in and trying to check the, exp- the pure expression of this stuff mm-hmm. uh, for fear of how it might impact somebody and maybe that's coming out of self-protection ultimately or it's coming out of potentially protection of someone else uh so what do you think about that of my immediate experience and maybe how it applies to you potentially
1: yeah it it does it does because uh yeah i I feel that there is there are many many factors that that are coming into play here one is uh self-protection as you said then you know uh there is this idea this I don't know if you call it fear of like, or fear, or what do you call it? And just being, uh, you know, careful of what you want to say so that you don't hurt the audience. So I think this is, this is this constant evaluation that is going on. And it is so amazing that, you know, we, we don't consciously know it when we do it, you know, it's, it's so, it's like has become a so efficient mechanism that you know, we we might have like this in, entire conversation for one hour and one and a half hour, but although there might be sl- many things coming up that we might want to speak about, but that automatic filtering it's so efficient that for this entire conversation we'll we'll not let that out, you know, mm-hmm. from our mouth. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so I'm just I'm just amazed at the efficiency of this process, you know, and and this I think applies to our daily life that how uh, we unconsciously are filtering out so many things and it's such an efficient process that we always know what to speak you know in front of whom and what not to speak how to act not only speak but to act uh basically carry this and you know then this idea of entire persona comes in that carry this persona which is so very different from what we are deeply inside
0: hmm. There, and the way I hear you speaking about it or just the, the feeling that comes up is that that could be maybe defeating in some way or mm. uh, just like what's the point of trying to express myself purely because still on this fundamental level, there's this filtering process that's so automatic and everything I do maybe is doomed to be a contrived expression of anything, because it's, yeah. it's so efficiently happening on such an automatic level.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and, and I'm I'm now also uh, wondering, from the perspective of the listener, you know, that the listener might be thinking, okay, these guys, they, they boast about, you know, <laughs> talking in the now and, and uh, just sharing what they what comes up, but actually, they are not talking about this filtering going on. So <laughs> you know, uh, what is this? So, how would how would you say what uh, you know again i am also thinking this and i'm also uh, like posing a question to you as well so that maybe we can uh, you know again be as open as we can be what we say to the participant that how does this fit in with our conversation and how does it make our conversation different from other conversations which, which maybe are you know, some like filtered with purpose and on our on a specific topic.
0: Hmm. For me, the thing that's coming up is a sort of changed paradigm hmm. in the space of this thing of pure expression. So hmm. maybe in the paradigm of ration rationality and analysis and filtering, hmm. it's Mechanical, or there is a there's a series of steps to reach a final solution, or there's a problem and an answer, there's a, a process and an endpoint, mm. uh, and but maybe in this other realm or this practice of what we're attempting to do here, mm. something potentially relieving is to totally let go of there being any idea of I'm going to reach a point where now it's all pure expression or uh-huh. now I am quote-unquote enlightened or now I'm beyond this filtering process but it can be just kind of fun to play with noticing the filtering process in action mm. and attempting to step back from it and maybe at the yeah. same time give up any effort to try to get rid of it or what would mm-hmm. that even mean uh there's like a a, a playfulness to it that is relieving for me which is really what we're doing here in yeah. my mind anyways is just trying to notice that filtering process
1: as yeah. quickly
0: and acutely as possible and keep letting go of it together yeah. uh, but that's what I think of like it's not something that I could ever reach as an end point but is just a more of a direction
1: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, the another thing, and it's so fascinating that you know uh, what what you were thinking about. The, I had all all very similar, like you know, very very similar thought came to me in my uh, one minute silence experience, mm-hmm. and it was that how uh, how our past experiences and thoughts affect what we talk about in the now. You know, and uh, as, as you mentioned, and exactly the same thing was coming to my mind, you mentioned about having discussed, you know, uh, we were discussing about like writing a book. Uh, and just exactly the same thing came to my mind during that one minute exile experience of silence that we just had this conversation on book. And now it is kind of influencing me to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, I think, you know, I was listening to this talk by Sadhguru. And he has, I believe, just released a book called uh, Karma. Mm-hmm. And he he was talking like he was giving, I, have, I haven't read the book, but I, he was giving uh, a, like a, a gist of that book, that what is that book about? So he was saying that karma is basically our past it's not it's not something like a lot of people believe that karma is something bad and you know because you have done terrible things now you have to suffer so he said no karma is not like that karma is simply the influence of our past on our present actions so whatever uh, not you know thoughts whatever feelings or whatever emotions everything that is there inside us we are basically memory you know, we are a set of me- memories. We, What we exist as human beings, we are a container of past memories, experiences, and whatever we are doing now is being influenced by that. So okay. he said, now where our power lies is to see that, you know, be, be aware of those memories that we are, be aware of this container, and then take an action that is greater than that, that okay. is not influenced by you know uh from from those past experiences so what i can see here is that even our conversation which might seem to be like totally in the now uh coming from our intuition is somewhere on the other is is, is influenced by our karma and this container of memories mm-hmm. that is that we are
0: uh kind of interesting too maybe that just the way you described it and the way I'm thinking of it now is almost like you would be using your karma as like a compass because it's you're sort of looking out for it. And mm. it's the thing that can then allow you to sort of make an action that is less based on or less tied up in the karma. Yeah. But it's it's still sort of a guiding force for you. So there's a, a way in which that action is still sort of based on it. Yeah, But I guess one is, this is, uh, I read this too, actually, on, on karma in this book that I'm reading where that line came from that I mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. This It's called Zen Therapy by David Brazier, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, it said something about karma and how any action that is sort of coming from that collection of memories or yeah. that is coming from me as that collection of memories mm. is, is just, is reinforcing the karma and it just like maintains that cycle, maybe at large, the cycle, the cycle of samsara or mm. uh, the whole sort of terminology, mm. but actions that are not based on that collection of memories as a whole mm. is the extinguisher extinguishing of karma like Mm -hmm. it's no it it sort of extinguishes through making an action that's not based on this me as this collection of memories Mm -hmm. Uh, but maybe required in that is the continual awareness of the collection of memories in action yeah
1: yeah Yeah. Uh, what what, as you as you're saying this what comes to my mind is again a question that how about you know, looking at this container of memories, uh, now there might might be things, there might be a lot of things that might be influencing uh, our actions and our thoughts. So for example, if this container of memories has, let's say, a memory of chocolate, you know, some childhood memory of chocolate being something related to happiness. Like I, I can relate to that. So this is a very personal example because chocolates were happiness to me and whenever why why it was so because whenever uh, like my father would come back so he he was out on his uh foreign trips and whenever he would come back to india he would bring a lot of chocolates so i think it was more happiness about my father coming back
0: mm-hmm. that
1: i associated with the chocolates so chocolates became you know something which is uh, synonymous to happiness for me so today i can i feel this urge and every every time like i have this weakness which is chocolates mm-hmm. and every time you know i would feel like if, if i feel start feeling low the first thought that would come to my mind is chocolates mm-hmm. and and i could i could notice my own memories how my memories are affecting my karma now in this moment mm-hmm. so this is one thing which might be you know okay something now i can uh, avoid and maybe get into that state of awareness and see that how it is influencing me but on the other side of it there might be certain things in this container of memories that might be beneficial in in, in our action so for example our our experience with something you know uh, uh it, it reminds me of uh, that uh, book by Malcolm Gladwell, Blink, and in which he talks about how intuition, you know, works, and like within seconds, uh, a, a painter who has who who has a lot of experience with painting, he can look at a painting and he can tell that whether it is a fake or it is a real painting. You know, he can make that discernment. So that discernment, which is coming from this container of memories and experiences karma now is helping that person to to you know in, in, in some way mm-hmm. so maybe it is not about totally giving up that container but what we take out of that container to to take our next action hmm. or or karma I,
0: and i guess something there is he can also or that person can also be aware that their ability is, has come from this experience and they can see it in context and yeah. so, I mean, in a w- in a way, their you know their action, their ability is informed by all of their experiences, and they can see that that's where it comes from. Mm. Maybe versus, there could be a variety of things like attributing it to some godlike ability that they might have to do that, mm-hmm. or like, or it gets wrapped up in personal stuff or. Struggling to come up with other examples, but they can use it and they can s- know where it has come from at yeah. the same time. They're not yeah. necessarily tied to it. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. I was also thinking something as you were speaking. Uh, maybe in, in terms of what we're talking about playing out now in the moment between each other. Mm. So there was something you were saying and it was a, the story about chocolate and mm. your father. And I was sort of noticing myself uh, creating the next thing I was going to say, you know, based off of that. Mm. And, and then you had a, an additional point to mm. say mm. after that, mm. um, which went into like the example of blink and the person who can recognize a painting and, there's one way in which I could have, and it's in some way I did, but I was also internally attempting to let go of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could have just stayed with my initial thought and sort of waited for you to finish your mm-hmm. remaining thought. Mm-hmm. And in that way, I'm sort of that feels more along the lines of the, whatever you might call it, the rational mm-hmm. thinking mind, or maybe, maybe that's acting out of karma because sort of I, I, I've attached to something and now Mm -hmm. I'm acting on it based on, okay, I've got this thing. Now I have to share it. And that's taking me away from really listening to what you still have to say, which might impact me in a different way. Mm -hmm. And so then there's, I guess, the possibility there of noticing that and letting go of it and trying to reopen to what you're saying right now, which Mm will, and, which maybe brings up an interesting point too of action, how action can be inaction at the same time. Like that's an act of dropping something. Mm. Uh, and maybe that's in its own way an, ex- an extinction of karma by me dropping something that I was internally holding to in mm. order to open back up to you in the moment. Yeah. Um, but I was, I'm wondering if maybe that kind of process is a helpful way of thinking of what we're talking about mm. in any sort of interaction, how like a pure organic, mm. kind of heart to heart interaction may, this could be one example of it where you continually drop the stuff that you create, you yeah. know, to give you some sort of grasp and control over the interaction. Mm. Like, okay, I've got the next thing. And now I'm kind of staying with that. I don't want to lose it. I'm going to repeat it a little bit and be ready whenever it's my turn to go.
1: And there is this, as you, you know, as you're saying this, I can also send my excitement and attachment to certain concepts that, oh, this is so important to me. I want to share that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I will be keep, I will keep holding that till the time you finish. (laughs) But I think what you you are rightly saying that, you know, the act of dropping it is also uh, something which uh, maybe brings us to that pure state of awareness.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm there's a vulnerability there it's mm. like a total dropping of control mm. which on one side is i think scary for the that inner mechanism of of like you know the the collection of my memories which yeah. keeps things in control and yeah. then on the other side it's really exciting because i'm continually i'm back i am dropped back into that pure space where anything could happen or anything could be born. And I could, I can't predict what it might be, mm. which feels almost like it's outside of karma or, I mean, mm. it's, if it's affected by everything that's happened as well. So I don't, I don't even really know what that might mean, but mm. it feels it's more of a pregnant space of exploration when I continually drop, just totally drop whatever it is that I, was thinking of saying, and then Mm. open back up to, and it could be you, or it could be the sky, or it could be work that I'm doing, Mm. or driving. And maybe Mm. if the work takes us back in a potentially interesting way to writing the book, Mm. because then we're back to that dynamic between trying to exert control over it versus allowing it to happen.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think the dropping that you are mentioning uh is uh, what seems to me is is similar to dropping the ego uh in the sense that when when there is you know when we are having this conversation and as you said that there is this attachment to this uh you know idea that i want to share or this thought that i want to share and Mm -hmm. i'm holding on to that so it kind of seems similar to holding on to the ego that you know, there's something about me that I want to share with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what, what dropping then what happens is that just when, when the, uh, the message flows, you know, and again, this reminds me of uh, uh, like Jack Confield. I think I mentioned this previous, previously, he mentioned something what his teacher Ajancha told Jack Confield that when he was about to go on stage and he was nervous. So he asked that, okay, what do I do? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, for the first time, I'm speaking to three hundred people. and then Ajahn Chah said that, just remember one thing. it's it's not about the messenger, it's about the message. And what you know this dropping feels to me is very similar to that that when when our conversation is about the messenger, about me and you, then it is coming from that place of karma and past memories and everything. But when we totally surrender to the message, which is just like an energy flowing in which, I dissolve, you dissolve, we don't, we do not exist anymore as separate entities, but we are just this energy, this message that is flowing to and fro, you know, in this field. So it's something like that. The messenger has basically uh, diluted, gone and the message remains. Mm
0: -hmm. Where does the messenger go? Do you think?
1: The messenger what i feel was never <laughs> was never there <laughs> it is something that we have like hardened as a concept and created because of our conditioning mm. uh but actually like we i think a lot of times again uh un- unknowingly we do experience moments of uh the messenger not being there and you know just things flowing and i i'm like i feel that i'm sure you also feel that in in our conversations when just things are when there is just the message and this messenger has dissolved
0: Hmm. so it's like you're seeing through something momentarily that was never there Hmm. but you have this feeling that it is there Hmm. again i was having some sort of vision of there being this layer that's, it's, uh, what's the word? Like iridescent or something. It's this sort of shiny thing that's sort of fading in and out, Mm -hmm. Uh, or it might be really thick on top of you, or it could be just sort of, like I said, fading in and out momentarily. Mm. Maybe that's kind of like what it feels like for me now, in the space with you mm. uh, inevitably that self is here in some way but it's interesting the way you say it that it's never there mm. uh, and so what is it that thinks that it's there
1: uh, I, th- I think that that's uh, that's the mind that's where the mind comes in you know because the mind uh, it comes with the thought that I am or it comes with the thought anything related to I, you know, as uh, Ramana Maharshi said that the, the very thought of I is is the root of it, the, mm-hmm. where, where the ego starts. So uh, I think it is that thought, but maybe a state of not having that thought is something which is pure and just flowing, you know, and mm. the message, where the messenger dissolves actually.
0: Makes me think of language again. Mm. How how ingraining of that notion of a self language is. Uh, I wonder if, you know, having the term I and me and we and they uh, from a very fundamental age or when you learn this, Mm. it's teaching you, it's ingraining in you that, I is a thing. It's a noun. Yeah. yeah. And you are a noun, just like any other thing that you see, and all things are separate nouns. Uh, reminds me of something Alan Watts said. I can't remember exactly how he said it, but it was like, we're fitting reality into the rules of grammar, and mm-hmm. that's going about it the wrong way. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, if we, if, if those rules are sort of baked into us from such a young age mm. that it would be hard for us to see through. They're just these rules. There's just these conceptual tools like mm-hmm. math, like to yes. help us in some way yeah. but we're sort of restricted to fitting our immense reality into the rules of grammar.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It also makes me wonder that, uh, as you were saying, uh, saying this, a picture was coming into mind of two babies, like being very close to each other and having a con, you know, some some ex- energy exchange between them. So I was thinking about a baby who still hasn't developed uh, the, you know, linguistic capabilities of learning language, or maybe they are not conditioned that way yet, or maybe they haven't developed this uh, sense of I, you know, uh, till now because they don't know what I is and then I'm thinking, okay, then if there is no ego there and let's say, you know, there are two babies and I was this weird picture was coming to my mind where you are on, you know, you are sitting there as a baby, small baby, and I'm sitting here as a small baby and we are Mm -hmm. having it. So what then how this exchange will be where there is no I, maybe where is there, there is no conversation, Hmm. but maybe then it's just the message without language flowing between us you know Mm. which maybe babies feel as an energy some sort of energy flowing between them and they maybe then start you know uh loving each other in that energy maybe touching each other's face and you know exploring things and being curious about what's there or something like that
0: (laughs) yeah versus maybe an adult who's limited to the paradigm of language might look at that and assume that there's no communication going on yeah. where really there might be some really direct, immediate communication happening that we're incapable of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, uh, and as you were saying that about your vision, I, I noticed that's something that I do frequently, which is become aware of some visual that has popped up in my mind and then try to share it. Mm. And I guess that to me feels like it's getting closer to something pure because mm. that just comes up it's not limited to language i then fit it into language yeah. but it's something that just kind of arises and i don't know where it came from i mean it's it's based on some combination of what has happened up till that point mm. uh, but whatever has happened has elicited something mm. and that's way more on the creative side of me and it feels a lot more alive and it Really can't. It's not contrived. this just happened. And yeah, like the the image of the color and the filter, or this layer on top of me, or you with these. The image of the two babies. Like, where did these? Yeah. Come from? And then maybe that's something. Like for the listener, for example, it could be an, a fun experiment to try to play with in everyday life. Mm. Although it might feel weird to do this, maybe if you're at work or. Even with a friend or it might be a strange thing to just be communicating and say, well, when you said that I had this vision of this, uh, but I wonder if that might be a way of playing with more kind of pure Mm. outside of rational ego karma based self way of communicating.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And and, and this, again, uh,
1: makes me realize the power of pictures and power of paintings. And, you know, now it, it makes me value uh, art much more because that is a more uh, what I feel is a pure depiction of, you know, not exactly pure, but maybe a more expressive depiction of what is actually going on rather than language, Mm -hmm. you know? So, because we can see, as you said, we can see that picture in our mind right now. Uh, You know, uh, you see that of, of that rainbow and I'm seeing that of that babies. But if, if the listener is listening to just the words, then maybe we are not doing justice to what we are seeing actually in our mind, but we can actually uh, depict that in a more expressive way through art Let's say, you know, maybe drawing a painting of it and that will uh, be more expressive. And I think the listener will be able to get us more of what we
0: are talking about here. Mm -hmm. Mm. So interesting, too, that then by you putting that image in this interpersonal space, it creates that image within me. And I have my own visual of what that looks like and then we can play with that. And it becomes this very sort of alive and playful thing. Like I imagine your visual of the babies and mine and the listeners are all different. And yeah. <laughs> they, that could be something to explore. Like, what does yours look like? Or what do you see? How are they arranged? Or... For me, it's
1: like, uh, like two babies are uh, lying on a bed. And, uh, you know, uh, I think we were talking about colors. So like colors come to my mind, like one is dressed in pink, the other is dressed in green or something, uh, you know, like a towel. And uh, then they are like just lying side by side each other. And they are like just, you know, uh, they are excited to see each other. (laughs) And uh, like they are, they are this curious, there is this curiousness and they are like their eyes are wide open and they're, you know, beaming smiling and just like kind of touching each other's face just in this experience of of curiosity. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. What comes to your mind?
0: Mine is uh, two babies in the same posture. I'm I'm seeing it from a side view Mm. and they're both on their hands and knees like crawling Mm -hmm. and they're facing each other. But interestingly, and maybe it's because of we're looking at each other on a computer screen. Mm. Uh, there's there's a glass sort of window pane between mm. them. Uh, they're both they're both right up next to the window pane and just kind of like curiously looking mm. through. I wonder if even there's some like a mirror image there too, which could. Uh, impact their experience but that's the way i'm seeing it like mm. and there's also there's no boundary of this this glass window pane it's not connected to anything it's just there's a room they're inside a room maybe a living room mm. and there's this window that's they could go around it if they wanted to mm. uh but it's in between the two and they're both just facing right up to the this small piece of glass yeah yeah
1: yeah, it, I think uh, it makes me more and more curious about what is a baby's experience. And if, if we somehow can get back to that experience, uh, you know, it's so wonderful to not have a sense of I, you know, that, okay, I'm maybe the baby thinks what the baby looks at, that becomes the I. So let's say, you know, I'm the baby and I'm looking at you. So for me, you is me you know, maybe th- this body is not me, but now because I, I, you are in my experience, so you become me. Mm-hmm. So then again, you know, what is I, and what is now, maybe the baby starts thinking, okay, you know, this curiosity, when I look at you that, what is this? Is, is this me? You know, I'm, I don't know that what's what <laughs> going on in the mind of a baby, but it would be so fascinating to have that kind of an experience, mm-hmm. an open
0: experience here. The, and there's, there's one way in which that could be viewed as maybe self aggrandizing or uh, selfish or even egomaniacal in some way. Like you have this very selfish view of the world. So everything is me. Uh, (laughs) But that's also maybe through our adulty version of the ego self, Mm. Because it can be that, but in a way that is totally unselfish because there is no me. Because we imply, we imply that separate self that yeah. the baby might be looking at everything and they are they are me. Like mm-hmm. that thing is me. That separate thing is part of me, but maybe there's no sense of the separate me to begin with. So just when I see you you are me in this moment or mm. whatever it is that's filling up my present moment environment is me it's without, me. In, without implying this separate me that is the possessor or the owner of whatever this thing is, which is without that any sort of selfishness because mm. there's no self.
1: Yeah. 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 And then I think, I think it's, it's kind of a paradox that there is no self, but at the same time, at the same time, everything is me. Mm hmm you know that there is this yeah it's it's i think this is what now uh, as we have conversation about it we we start come to point a point of realization that it again boils down to what you know maybe spiritual mystics have been saying through ages that everything is one Mm -hmm. and i think this this conversation is now bringing us closer to maybe experiencing it in some way you know uh, it's like it's so exciting it's so fascinating to kind of deduce it like a mm. like a mathematical formula so for example yeah you know, yeah this equation is given by by you know uh by the spiritual mystics whatever that is maybe let's take for example e is equal to mc square but we start with you know uh like e and m as separate things and then we kind of do all these calculations in this conversation and when we arri- arrive at that equation we have kind of solved that equation right you know,
0: right that, that kind of a process to me it's kind of like using the tool of logic or mm. the thinking mind as the tool but not as the master yeah
1: yeah yeah i, I the tool uh, the thinking mind is kind of i see it as a uh, as a boat that brings us to the shore,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know the the shore of
0: experience. The and then of... you leave the boat at the shore. You don't try to carry it onto the yeah, yeah. land. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And maybe we're we just it's this back and forth crossing the river or the ocean process. So if you go back on. Hmm. the boat to work, with, play with something, figure out, and then you get back to a place of just experience. There's nothing more to figure out here. Yeah. And yeah. I kind of like that notion. Uh, actually, this is something that I've thought about before in different ways. Like maybe a day is filled up with quote unquote problems that present themselves. Hmm gotta have breakfast so here's a series of steps to get to that point where okay now I have breakfast in front of me Mm. and I guess there's still steps involved in bringing the breakfast to my mouth but at that point I also can let go of that boat and experience the meal yeah Uh, or like trying to figure out an interpersonal problem or someone comes to you for advice or all these different things. There's just these series of things to like play with. And I'm envisioning, okay, so let me get on the boat. We'll go out and then come back to a place where the, there's, it can't go any further. It's just experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What comes to my mind is uh, the example that's coming to my mind is uh, this kind of solving of equations, because I was talking about equations. Uh, but the the purpose of solving equations is to, for us humanity to experience the benefit out of it and not just stay in the equation. So for example, uh, you know, something like if we are, if a scientist and I can see, see that something as let's say in the future, a scientist is working on solving gravity, you know, as an equation something that was similar was shown in the movie instead interstellar and then they're working on this equation and they finally come to a solution a final equation which which kind of solves gravity and then maybe for now it's time just to experience that and give up the calculation part and maybe uh, uh you know create a spaceship that can experience anti-gravity and uh, you know, just fly off in in into space, something like that. That it then it it becomes about all this rationality, uh, all these talks. Then finally, then only become about ex- deriving the benefit of experience out of it.
0: Right. I've heard that as a distinction between science and spirituality. That one is based on sort of predicting and improving and conceptualizing and the other is about experiencing Mm. and but and both are very valuable uh, but it could be easy to maybe get caught up in just one or the other uh, or in you know doing the scientific perspective just for the sake of the science, and then you lose sight of the experiential element of it like it makes me think of just extending the lifespan Mm. for the sake of extending the lifespan but if if you're not also enjoying or like, what's the point of extending it? If, if you're just going to keep trying that. to extend it. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I am also fascinated by how it brings us back to, uh, you know, to it's like a circle that completes and bring us back to where we started our con- conversation with this idea of, uh, intuition and rationality, both having their own benefits, Mm-hmm. uh and you know uh, and i think we have again come to the same conclusion that both as you said both are important the experience and this uh the calculation the science and the spirituality and the the rational mind and the intuition <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i think a good time to get into meditation
0: that sounds good i was Is just gonna say to, yeah I, I think we there might be a craving for it to be just one or the other because that simplifies things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then it seems like maybe in everything you just always come back to, Oh, it's a balance. It's like, like you got to find, you know, they're both. Yes. And both of them. And, but that takes a certain sort of discipline or practice or intention. Like you kind of always, it requires a certain sort of, "Quote unquote effort," uh, mm. and that's okay. Yeah. So I was, just, yeah, just wanted to mention that—that that like maybe inevitable desire for it to be kind of all one or the other. Yeah, and I'm reminded of you know the term the middle path or the middle way.
1: Yeah, yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. No, I can I can experience this in my life also. What you're saying because there are times when you know I would just want to, and again it. The, I, f- I feel that somewhere or the other rationality is also influenced by intuition because it intuitively feels that, you know, maybe it, for now it's time to let go of the experience and maybe become rational. So for example, what's happening with me these days is that I have stopped meditating.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is like, you know, at, at one point of like, I can have a judgment around this. You can, you know, I can judge myself around how can you not meditate? You know, you mm-hmm. uh, meditation is everything and uh, you, you are a meditation teacher. You are supposed to meditate every day. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, you know, I'm just surrendering to this intuition, which is telling me to maybe not do that for now and maybe, you know, contemplate on things. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not something that that's happening uh, out of laziness. It's something that is happening. My intuition is telling me, so if, if there is a time, you know, if it's like morning meditation time, my intuition is telling me, oh, go read a book, you know, or it's telling me, okay, think about this topic or it's telling me, watch this documentary. And I'm like, this is then again, my intuition telling me and I, if' I'm, if' I'm, if I'll ignore that, then that is my resistance to it. Mm. So maybe for now it's okay to give up meditation because this is what is supposed to be explored, the rationality, the, the, mm. the content, whatever that is.
0: Mm. Really interesting. Do you, interesting. Have, do, do you uh, have any
1: such experiences?
0: I totally do. Yeah. It might be a good one to explore if we if we come upon it again in the future like especially as people that might be seen as possibly depending on who you are some sort of expert on the topic or a teacher of meditation or promoter of meditation and mindfulness and as i know my my own sort of practice has certainly evolved over time and has become more and more or less and less attached to doing it in a particular way or all the time. Uh, just so, yeah, interesting that you mentioned that. I wonder if uh, maybe something relevant to do now would be to end without uh, meditation practice uh, or yeah. without uh, any sort of sitting.
1: Yeah, yeah. How, how does that seem to you? Like something, a practice without a practice? <laughs> seems valuable Mm. that's interesting um, again i don't know if it is my rationality or you know it's uh kind of trying to see how that situation is Mm -hmm. uh you know like as it's like as it's happening now yeah like it's it's like a it's like a contemplation on this dilemma that, okay, do I, uh, if, if this is a meditation or if, it, you know, it's, if it's not a meditation, as you said, then is there a guidance or is there no guidance? Mm.
0: In this? Well, the thing, I guess, well, tell me what, how you're hearing this, but my idea is just to kind of abruptly stop and mm. not provide any guidance and, and, and that be the, the sort of practice of letting go of what maybe is familiar and just stopping
1: yeah that's interesting and maybe just uh, letting the listener also to to listen to their intuition what they want to do towards the end or after the session ends rather than having that uh, very fixed idea of doing a meditation today that sounds, sounds good to me sounds cool to me as well
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right cool well Thanks as always for spending this time with me It's it's like so uh, nourishing to me and I feel like it's very sharpening of uh, I've said this to you before, but of my ability to in the moment access what I'm feeling and thinking and try to express it in as pure form as possible, which is outside of any other thing outside of this being a podcast or whatever is a pretty valuable little piece of my life so mm. and thanks for the listener too
1: no thank you so much and uh, th- i think there's something that uh, you mentioned the benefit and i would like to share is that like i have benefited so much benefited so much out of these conversations that you know uh, initially I, so uh, as many of the listeners would know that charles and i we also do live sessions here on insight timer and as, as I was, as I, uh, last year, I, we were beginning with the live sessions. And at that time, I remember, like, having the content ready before doing the live sessions, you know, noting down everything. Uh, I think I also showed you my board wherein I would write down all everything, each and everything.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: now it has become like, you know, by doing these sessions, it has become really spontaneous. And I think it has helped me to just surrender and to the moment, to this now, and what I feel is that there is more beauty, you know, coming up uh, in in the live sessions by just being and not coming with those preconceived ideas. Mm-hmm. So yes, I'm I'm really grateful for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I look forward to next time. Yeah, see you next time.
1: Thank you for joining us in the What Is Now experience. We hope that you liked the episode. If there were any insights or ideas arising for you as you were listening to our conversation, then you can share those ideas through your comments. We would love to know. Stay tuned for the next episode. Namaste.